Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm Chris Gould, wholesaling and entrepreneurial expert. The Level 10 Podcast is focused on interviewing top entrepreneurs across multiple industries to identify what makes their businesses successful. Head over to level10official.com to learn about our courses, coaching, and much more. Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gould, and this is our second episode in the Recession Proof series. I'm super excited for our guest today, Robert Seifert. Robert is a business expansion specialist with efficient business building solutions for high-level entrepreneurs and investors, primarily in the real estate sector, who want to live a healthier and wealthier lifestyle. With well over a decade of experience in the industry, Robert has sold and managed hundreds of investment properties and is passionate about providing solutions through software tools and services that maximize both your time and profits when it comes to investing in real estate. Robert is also a loving husband and father who believes that every person can achieve success and financial freedom with the right systems and processes at their disposal. Uh, and I'll just also say, Robert, you're, you're a true Renaissance man. I mean, you do it all. You're an author, you've got software, you've done every aspect of real estate. So I'm so excited to have you here, get your current thoughts on the market. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. And, and, uh, for those out there, I mean, you've got a, a lot of followers on Instagram, but just going back a few years, Robert was my first mentor back in the day when I was trying to market across the United States to, to every county, getting people in the most random rural areas. And Robert was one said, hey, why don't you focus down on one city and try to do a deal in one city and see what can happen there? And now we've got Indie Home Offer. We did 100 deals last year. And, you know, you're at the foundation of that. So I just want to say thank you for your guidance at that time, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And I will, I will add for everyone listening to a comment like that, too. I appreciate that. Um, I, I gave you some insight. But the reality is you are what made that successful because you did the work and you made the change. There are a lot of people that hear that same advice and do nothing with it. Mm, well, so, I, thanks. Not me. <laughs> thanks. I, I appreciate you saying that. And I know you have some thoughts on that idea of, of, you know, it's this constant tug once you're in one market, like let's expand and go all across the United States. And you were saying uh, to, to us before I got on, on the call here, focus is kind of at the, at the core of that. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. In my, in my experience, not even just like that's, I, I, I have, I have learned over years since coaching you or, or helping you at the time, right? So much more. And one of the things is looking for and identifying, which I did then and didn't realize, um, is looking for the root. What's the root of your problem? Mm. And so the root of your problem at the time mm. was simply you're scattered. You're trying to hit every market in hopes that by doing that, that's somehow going to magically create a deal. And I'll frame this back to where the question is really coming from. Um, yet, you're not focused on anything. So that lack of focus and mm -hmm. narrowly focusing on something, which scares people, right? Because it seems counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. It seems that, yeah, but if I pick one market, I have way less opportunity than I do if I do the whole United States. Like, obviously, I could definitely do a deal with the whole United States, but mm -hmm. I don't know about just one market. I have competition. I have whatever story you want to make up in your head, mm -hmm. but it's the opposite that's true. It's that singularity of focus and niche and further in on that, that gives you the results that happened to help you at that moment. But anytime in business, anytime in life, I, it doesn't have to be just real estate. It doesn't have to be anything. It's literally if anytime I've caught myself losing money, making mistakes, having problems in a relationship, 
the root is almost always a lack of focus on something specific. Mm. And it's that I'm doing everything. I'm checking all the boxes. Why is this not working out? Well, probably because you're checking all the boxes and you're not actually focused on anything that matters. And so your results are scattered versus your results being direct correlation to what it is you wanted to get. And a lot of times the root underneath that is we just don't even know what we want. Mm. So we're not, we're not clear about what we want. So we can't get clear about how we can focus on that thing that we don't know we want. All we generally know, at least in the beginning for most people is what we don't want. Mm. I don't want to experience this. I don't want this to happen. I don't want to work at this job anymore. I don't want to lose money. I don't want to, well, okay, that's all great. That's, that's a wonderful list of negative shit. What's the, what's the one thing you do want? Mm. Let's focus on you getting that. And then we can gear everything around focusing on that one outcome that you're after. Yeah, that's so good. If you're listening to this, rewind it, listen to what Robert just said again there. And, you know, just to share vulnerability with, uh, from my perspective, it's, I was, I used the fuel of fear and lack that you just described to get me to this point. And where I'm at in my personal journey is like, you know what? I can't use that fuel anymore to break through the ceiling to the next level. I, it, it only gets you so far because if you're in fear and lack, once you get a little financial security and you're able to delegate some stuff away, now I'm like, my purpose has went away. You became comfortable. That's the, that is, this fueled me. It fueled my first couple hundred deals. And then you just hit this point of like, well, I'm not uncomfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get evicted next week. Um, I don't have anything like that to worry about. I could travel next week if I just felt like it. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you, you lose that you lose that as the passion and drive for where you are. Now I have one mentor of mine that I don't know, I still can't do what he does, but like he has a way at running a couple eight figure businesses right now and growing and has this mentality and drive where he recreates that fire in himself. Like, no, I'm broke. And today's the day I got to go generate. If I don't generate, I'll fucking lose it all. Mm. Like, I don't know how he does that. I, I we've had those conversations. I'm like, that's, I, I don't know how to channel that. Yeah. So I, wish I, could. I think there's a lot of people that are in the, the boat that you just described of a couple hundred deals. You're doing well. Other people think you're killing it, but you get to that place of comfort and delegation. How do you restart that fire? How do you re, how do you shift your perspective on things so that you can create this excitement again and, and maybe have a different fuel? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it kind of goes back to um, the very first thing that I said, now I'll just frame it a different way, um, which is, again, the reason you lost your drive and your focus or your passion is because it you got what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is you were driven to not, I, I refuse to be fearful, I refuse to be broke, I refuse to not have choices. So even if you could, you can come from a place, whether you realize it or not, you're moving towards what you want, generally mm -hmm. Um, even if you're not clear about that, a lot of times there's some part of you that does know. So you're moving that or you're or as Tony Robbins says it, you're either moving towards pleasure, the thing you want, and you're clear about that, or you're moving away from pain, all the stuff you don't want. Either way, it's driving you. Mm. Most people's cases in the beginning, if they have enough pain, this sucks and I don't want no more of it. Even if you're not clear about what it is you want, you'll drive away from the pain. And in driving away from the pain, you'll create that comfort, a new comfort, a new standard. You can delegate. You're more comfortable. And it still comes back down to that, the root underneath the root I said earlier, right? Like you still, you don't know what it is you want. So mm -hmm. now you're comfortable because 
whether you articulated like, this is what I want and to be able to delegate and to do these things, or you drove away from, this is what I don't want. And now you're at a place where like, well, none of that's happening anymore. So I'm no longer in pain, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you no longer have a pain. You have to now, and if you have, if you have the time, you've done a couple hundred deals, you're comfortable, you have some money. I entice you to find someone that can help you. If you can't help yourself, go spend the money. The best, the best investment you can ever make is in you. It's one mm -hmm. thing that can never be taken away from you. In my perspective, mm -hmm. the most money I've invested in anything has been 100% in me, masterminds, mm -hmm. courses. I just spent 170 grand, not including travel and all the other expenses around one coach in wow. the last 12 months, just to drive my perspectives to an end. And like I said, he runs two eight figure businesses and growing. So He's at a level that I'm not. And how do I break through to that ceiling and bring you back here? It's that. So like, if you no longer have a pain, you no longer have something you're moving away from, right? Well, there's no longer going to drive you to go any further because now you're comfortable again and you have a new standard for living that is just your thing. Only one of two things are going to motivate you to go to the next level or break through that glass ceiling. One, you're going to lose some shit that you currently have because you're going to fuck up your money because you're unclear and you're going to start burning it down because you've not done the work on you to figure out mm -hmm. like how to have it all. Or there's some area in your life that's fucked up or about to be fucked up and it's going to take stuff away from you. It's mm -hmm. just the reality, the life cycle of being a human, you will start to lose. And, and it's also an internal, internal thermostat that you have that will bring you back into the pain so that you can create in yourself the motivation to work again. Mm. That's the side I prefer not to do, but I, right. I, I'm not telling you this from, I read it in a book, which I have, or I've studied in a course, which I have, but from personal experience, I've done mm -hmm. this a few times over the last last decade. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that is what you really want to get to a place to, or have someone help you, which is get clear about what it is you actually want. Like, where do you want to be in the next, I used to not be able to think bigger and further out, like, where do you want to be in the next five years, 10 years, right? If you can't do that, then at a minimum, where do you want to be? What do you want your life to look like in the next 12 months? Like what makes you excited if you could do this? Mm -hmm. What does travel look like? What does your marriage look like? What is your relationship? It doesn't have to be your business. It can be. What does your passive income cycle look like? How many rentals do you own? How many, whatever do you own? Um, how are you investing in your life? How is your physical body? Are you, are you doing your hobbies? What are those? Do you know that you have a hobby or not, right? Like explore that and figure out where you want to be, where you really want to be. Something's like, wow, I, I really want that. Then you can use that as the fuel to go after that pleasure. Mm, um, that's huge. And yeah, I, versus avoiding the pain. Yeah, and I, I mean, I want to do the second one of those. And, and as you're saying this, you know what I'm realizing is like, sometimes we're so caught in that hamster wheel of like chasing deals and doing deals that it's like to, to actually step back. I mean, we do stuff with, with, EOS model and, and setting yeah. rocks and all that, but like to sit down personally yourself and be like, okay, I achieved this thing that I was trying to do. If I reimagine my life again for something that will make me excited truly and write it down on paper and set a new target, it's like, I'm moving too fast sometimes to even do that. That's that thing that you could do in two hours, sitting down and just being open to it it's like we're rowing the boat so fast harder 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 but it's like where are we going and it's like somewhere over there you know yes yeah that's exactly it and you're not mapping out 
you're going to get to the destination. You just haven't chosen where that's going to be, mm -hmm. right? Versus you have the opportunity to really step back. And there, there's some uh, stuff that I go to and I do quarterly, very similar to EOS, but it's it's structured on like, I'll spend two or three days mm -hmm. doing this exercise in all areas of my life. So I mm -hmm. categorize the, what we call the core four, which is your body, your health, physical being, um, your connection with God or spirit or whatever you believe in, your relationships, your, your what balances you out, your kids, your, your family, your spouse, your friends, um, and then your business. And here's the interesting thing, just because you have a business that did 100 deals last year, right, or or I had a business where I wholesaled 200 doors in a year in a certain criteria doesn't mean that that's what my business has to be next year. Mm. But if you're caught in that hamster wheel, it will just mm. because you haven't stepped out to say, so I did this one time that I did this, I had a really good mentor before I coached for Kent, Kent was one of the Kent Clothier was one of the first people to help me with this map out what my perfect day was. And I did 200 and 204 deals in the first 14 months of like going all into real estate. And then I paused everything because I just felt empty. Like mm -hmm. I no longer was running away from mm -hmm. all of the, I was at eviction court. I was about to lose my cars, lose everything. And then I got to a place where, okay, well, I can do whatever I want. I'm financially good. I have hundreds of thousands in the bank. And I don't, I don't know that I enjoy what I've been doing. Mm. He helped me get clear about my perfect day, which mm -hmm. is a great exercise. It was one simpler exercise. Um, and he made me get very emotionally in deep with it. But that helped me also then see like, okay, well, if that's my perfect day, how does this business fit into it? Because a lot of times, to your point, we just get in this habit of chasing deals, chasing deals like, oh, I'm, I'm making money, 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 so I'm good and life's great. Is it? Like mm. those 200 deals were massive volume, massive time suck for me, low pay on average across the board for deals. And as I reimagined, well, I don't want to work 14 hours a day to make that hamster mm. wheel running. Even if I leverage people, there's still a lot of management that goes into like at one point we were closed upwards of 30 deals in like a month. Like that's a lot of fucking work. Mm. Um, do I want that? Is that what I want my business to look like? No. So I restructured my entire business that next year mm. and started back over at one door done a specific way with a certain profit margin as a minimum and restructured everything. And then within a year and probably, yeah. And actually around the time that I started mentoring you, which would have been the next year, I had moved to Florida, sitting in my house in palm trees and sunshine while my business operated in Michigan without me. Um, and under a whole new structure, it didn't have the fast pace. It had a very detailed, simplified process where I didn't care if we did five deals a month. Great. I'm not after trying to do 30 deals this month. Like, mm. I don't care. Yeah, that's, that's a huge perspective shift. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go in and basically do all the exercises you just said as soon as we're done with this. Um, so let's talk about the recession. Mm -hmm. You went through 2008. You were a mortgage broker at the time. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, you've seen this, you know, riches being acquired by people during the up. And then when it turns, people freak the hell out. Um, and you were part of that. So can you just talk about what happened for you during that, how you recovered from it and how it's changed your perspective on what's happening right now? You know, the answer to that question I'll end with, well, I'll start with by ending with, um, 
this is why my perspective of 100% investing in me is more important than anything else you can do. Mm. Other than once you get beyond that, you realize you need to invest in your relationship. You need to invest in your children. You need to invest in your wife, things we take for granted. Mm. So I want to give that at the end because that's the answer. Okay. Reverse that though. And it'll feed into this, an investment I just made specific to this topic. So back in 2008, I was making more money then than I had ever had in my life. I was in the subprime mortgage industry. I'd spent a few years making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I never made that kind of money before. Most people uh, might make that in real estate and be super excited. I made that in the mortgage industry and I wanted to do real estate at the time. I just couldn't figure out how. So I got into mortgages because it was at least connected to real estate. And that was like my stepping stone. And then I made so much money that didn't matter. I had cool cars. I had fancy race car, a cool big truck, and I had a motorcycle and a big ass house that we bought um, with a pool in it and all kinds of fancy stuff and cash and partying and young and dumb with my money, not investing in myself, investing in a bunch of garbage um, that I can look back now and say, right at the time, it was the best things I could ever buy. Um, I had a lot of fun. Till 2008, I didn't know anything about the financial market and, and didn't understand that what was about to happen for those that understood it was that I lost everything, everything that I thought was of value. I didn't lose myself, which is why you should invest in yourself. You can't take that away, but I didn't have knowledge. Now that put me on a pursuit though, when I literally was humbled to the point that I went from making hundreds of thousands of dollars to having stacks of 10 and 20, $50,000 in cash laying around my room to nothing. I have no cars, no house, I've got custody of my oldest son and I'm moving with my grandmother and wondering if I can borrow some a couple thousand dollars to buy a used Jeep to have a vehicle to drive around it. Wow. So that's pretty humbling experience. Um, and when that happened, it, it caused me to have to reflect at the time. And what got me there? How did I not know? How could I not see any of that? And so I actually went in a pursuit for a few years before going into real estate full-time um, and learning finances. I went mm. and worked for a financial company. I wanted to understand what just happened. Mm. How, how did I, and it's because I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know anything about ec economics. I didn't know anything about the economy. I didn't understand interest rates and fluctuations and inflation and market trends and cycles. And I didn't understand any of that. So I was making a ton of money and that was never going to end was all I understood. Right. And that's what I call young and dumb with money. Um, so from that, I went on a pursuit. And then fortunately, the company that I started working for was all about self-development. So they invested in you to develop mm -hmm. daily. So it started this war for me of daily automobile university, as it was called, listening to the Zig Ziglar's and the Brian Tracy's and the every Napoleon Hill's, every program and every book that you could consume about money was all we did. Right. And it started this wheel of like, oh, man. Well, this is how this guy who didn't graduate high school became a multimillionaire. So it's probably a good plan to follow. And then I started to learn about money and economies and legal structure and all these things. And like, oh man, the writing was on the wall that was coming. Like if I would have known that, I could have, I could have done some different things. I could have been smarter with the money that I was making. Mm -hmm. And Rich Dad Poor Dad simplifies this too for those of you who have read that, right? It's real simple, right? You have assets and you have liabilities. One makes you cash, one doesn't. Mm, that's it is not simpler than that. 
And I didn't have assets then. I had a house that was not my asset. I lived in it. It didn't generate cash for me. It spent money. Mm -hmm. I had a whole bunch of other stuff that spent money. I had people mm -hmm. around me that spent money. They spent the income, but I didn't have anything else that generated income. So I learned all of that, then parlayed that again, getting in real estate and continued this path of always learning. Saying that to say, just this week, I just got back from Denver, spending time with someone who has been in real estate, buying and selling houses for over 20 years and seen the last two market crashes and got to learn because I spent the money to go be in a very closed room to say, okay, you've been through it. I've seen it. I have some ideas and theories, but I'd, I would still like to spend money to find out what I don't know or mm. confirm what I do know from somebody who's seen it and has more data than I do. Mm. And um, so this is different. And you're right. And the, you know, the people who lost the most money in the 2008 crash that were in real estate, because I've seen it too. I've seen people who were making millions and then lost it all in 08. And the flip side of people who had decent amounts of money and made millions through the crash. Mm. The major difference was the, the people that I know of that lost the most started to get too ego driven and they couldn't lose money like I did. Oh, this will never go away. I'm just going to keep money. And a lot of those were the big flippers, mm. right? Like the ones in particular that are coming to my mind are like, they, they would have like multiple six figure or seven figure flips and they're just wealthy, right? They have millions of dollars from these flips they're doing. And while the market's trending upwards and you can continue to flip those, that's fine and dandy. But when the market, and especially in a market where you have that size of flips, flips on you in the middle of the length of time that it takes to renovate that, mm. they lost everything as a result because now they're not making millions, they're losing millions just as fast as they made it. Mm. You have to be a, you have to be aware and apparent of trends and data and um, whether or not you're flipping houses in a what's considered a boom and bust market or if you're in a stable market. And now you can tell it just looking at price fluctuations over the last three cycle crashes. Um, this is no, there are, of course, I don't want to get too detailed, but to say this crash is a little different with some factors, but here's the reality. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing that's happening hasn't happened before. There are three other crashes roughly about 10 to 14 years apart. If you go back in history, 08 is the one that everyone talks about because it's the most recent. There was one in the 90s and there was one in the 70s. And if you look back across all the data and you look at where we're at, if you want to be part of the wealth transfer, you better own some assets if you don't. Mm -hmm. By assets, I don't mean owning a multi... Now, of course, this is a general rule of thumb because there's Airbnbs, there's other things that go into all this stuff that can change some of what I'm about to say. But I, I personally, right now, would not be targeting or trying to flip any million dollar property, half a million and up property. I'm not touching it. I don't even want it. The most I will do with it is wholesale it, if anything. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not buying it. I don't want it. I, I would, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be buying in stable markets, rent quality properties. And like already already rent quality you're saying yeah or, or in or, neighborhoods that are great rental markets oh, okay okay i'll do yeah. the rehab but we're talking minimal rehab right like i'm not doing a hundred thousand dollar rehab like i'm not touching that mm. uh, i might i'm not saying i wouldn't sure right but the the more amount of money in a renovation right now is one longer time frame and you don't know where the market's going it's right. already trended oh we're not we're no longer at a peak we're definitely on a downturn how fast or how slow that's going to happen 
whatever. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do know that I don't believe it's that we've seen anything near where the bottom's going to be at mm. all. Mm -hmm. And I do believe we're going to continue to go down. And in every market that I am aware of, there's been a shift in the inventory. The, the numbers are going down, right? right? Whatever that percentage is, they've gone down. Even in my, I'm in Tampa, one of the hottest markets in the country. We're not, we're not selling sight unseen on every listing that happens within a day. It just isn't happening right now. Yeah. Um, so you got to be aware of that. I wouldn't be in those big flips. I'd be wholesaling and I'd be buying rental properties. So for me, when I say rental properties, it's a stable market and it's in a, at a price point. Generally, in most markets, it's something underneath $200,000, maybe even underneath hundred, depending on your state and region. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be buying cash flowing assets and I'd be putting my money into those cash flowing assets, borrowing money, not necessarily from a bank. I like private money, but I'd be borrowing money and buying as much of those cash flowing assets as I could get my hands on mm -hmm. in stable markets, because it, no matter what happens with the market or the economy and the monetary system, I own an asset that produces cash, cash flow. I believe cash flow is king right now, not cash. Mm. A lot of people, they got to sit on a bunch of cash and wait. Well, what if, what if the dollar goes away? I'm saying it is, but what if there's a lot of, there's a lot of other crazy factors in this market that we've never seen before. Yeah. With the inflation going up, your dollar is worth less uh, today than it was three months ago. Well, and they're printing money. They're sending out stimulus money all over the place. Like I understand more now than I did before about how the economy and money system works. And th those are not good things. Yeah. Yeah. And, just and that. something you said about, you know, the those longer rehabs where you have to wait longer to say, you know, it's going to take three months to turn it as opposed to 15 or days or 30 days. Yeah. The thing there that I think a lot of people can fall into is, you're running, you're, you're taking this house, this house that sold four months ago, let's say, or six months ago and saying, oh, that's the house I'm going to use to point to when I need to refine my money out. Well, hey, buddy, in three months, all of these houses around you could have sold for less. Like for us, we see these areas, we can point to one high comp, but there's 10 houses that are sitting on the market, not selling right now. Well, you know what? Somebody is going to take a big L on that and sell oh, yeah. low and now your house's value is going to be way less when you go to refi and you might not be able to get all your cash out. So I think that that's something that uh, we got to keep in mind. Like I'm only running it based off the, if I'm going to buy it myself the last 30 days, right? Like you can't go beyond that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you, I, so I, I definitely since midsummer have shifted to any comps we're running. We're not giving really any value to any comps prior to that time frame, even if it fits within the bucket of comps, like, I want the closest comps I can possibly get. And then on top of that, I'm going to buffer that at least five or 10%, depending on what market I am, mm. protect against and hedge against the fact that I believe it's going to continue to go down. Right. So I can't bank on if I have a 60 or 90 day rehab, that that value I thought was there is actually going to be there. So I can't buy based. I can't buy in this market. I cannot, if I'm going to flip, mm -hmm. Even if I'm going to wholesale and I'm going to do a good job wholesaling and protect the investor that's going to buy, I can't base this on even the comps I think I can find today. Whatever those are, I, I recommend and we would buffer that by another five or 10% just to be mm -hmm. safe, hedge the fact that we think it's going to continue to go down. Yeah. That's and if it doesn't, well, then you just made more money. And if it yeah. does, which is likely, 
you you still are able to make the profit you anticipated and not lose. And yeah, I wouldn't be doing people can you can do whatever you want, but I personally would not be doing rehabs that are even even remotely thinking I'm going to take over 60 to 90 days. Like that's just opening the door for there's supply chain issues. Like I'm in a massive renovation right now, but we're we we're flipping it to ourselves. We'll end okay. up flipping it to ourselves. So there's a million dollars in equity in it too. And I honestly, if if I lost half of that by the time I finish it, I'm okay with that because I'm I'm going to flip it to myself to hold it for the long term. So I don't care if the market tanks and comes back. It's not going to affect what I'm doing. Right. It could affect some things, but but I can tell you from the experience of going in this longer rehab, there's massive supply chain issues and labor issues and different things that just come up. And all that is real in today's market. Yeah. The the conversation with sellers is changing a little bit. And, you know, some of that standard, like John Martinez type stuff, keep them in the emotional state, not so much yeah. in the logic brain. Are you doing some educating on the realities of the cooling market and declining house properties or is your team doing that when the talk when talking to sellers yeah i think you absolutely have to um you have to we're we're talking to a lot of sellers uh, that we've talked now here's the thing follow-ups king um we're talking to a lot of sellers that were i want this six months ago that are now realizing like yeah you're not going to get that so I'll talk to you when you're ready to have a real conversation and we can do our best to educate, but some people are just crazy. Um, and that's okay because here's the reality. As long as I'm nice to them, as long as I offer value to them, as long as I offer to be a resource that can help them in any way. And I do my job as a business operator and follow up 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 and follow up, and follow up until no one else is buying that house at that ridiculous price either so mm. they're either they're either going to learn by you trying to educate them and I'm, i don't try to push too much education like well I, I couldn't possibly pay that and you can put it back on them how so can you can you can you tell me how i'm going to make money off of that they can't because the market doesn't justify that and if they're still stuck in the old eventually they won't be and it may just take time and finding out from 10 other people that no, I can't pay that price. Or they get to, yeah, I can pay that price. And then it's, you know, a wholesaler that's going to be out of business in a week or two or a month because there's no way they're flipping that contract. It's just mm -hmm. not out. Right. They just said yes, so they could sign a piece of paper. We're not in that market where you could sign a piece of paper and somebody's just going to buy it for sure. That's just not happening anymore. So, yeah. so, it's so it's maybe some light educating, but really what you're saying is like the follow up game is just, we got to be following up hard right now more so than ever. Yeah, you just have to stay. This this is I've already seen. Like, there's uh, one software I won't name them, but that most people will know when I say you get if you're on their list, you get blasted deals, mm -hmm. right? Or three months ago, I was getting blasted deals from everybody mm -hmm. all over the place. The trend of that has went way down. I don't seem to be getting the same amount of deals from all the people that I was getting deals from before, mm -hmm. and I would suggest that's because. A lot of them have already went out of business because their business model was simply like, get it under contract, whatever, blast it out and a buyer will buy it. Get it under contract for whatever, blast it out and a buyer will buy it. They had no skill sets mm -hmm. developed like John, you mentioned John Martinez. They had no sales negotiations and tips. They, mm -hmm. didn't, they, they spent no money on themselves mm -hmm. to further develop their skills to negotiate and have real conversations and find why someone wants to sell. 
They spent no money learning how to do anything creative financing wise to open the door to potential other things. Their one thing was contract whatever and a buyer will buy. It mm-hmm. doesn't exist. So now if you didn't take the money you were making to invest in yourself and build your skill sets to negotiate better and get your sales qualities better, learn something about structure that you didn't know before, um, or develop your skill sets as a marketer to market better, mm-hmm. you're, you're dead in the water and you're going away. And part of that business operator sense is you didn't have anything in place to constantly follow up with people because you were just the one and done guy. It doesn't work. It never worked, but you had so much deal flow before that was easy Mm -hmm. that it didn't matter right now. Well, it does matter. All of it matters. And if you're not, then you're, you're just the guy losing out because you don't have, you don't have anything that's going to make sure you monetize that at some point. Yeah. All matter. That's, and that's sort of the light at the end of the tunnel here in, in a certain sense of like, we've been competing with people that are throwing out crazy offers all summer and those deals that we lost out on a lot of those people are going away the folks that have a process that are still doing their thing that are still following up like there's going to be less competition now from wholesalers because they can't just pay their rent and pay their two salespeople by getting lucky anymore there's no more getting lucky no yeah no and that's it right so the guy that can continue to market is the guy that can continue to convert even if it's a smaller percentage because it was flooded with everybody making ridiculous offers Mm -hmm. or not so a lot of those deals fell through for them over the last few months a lot of those sellers if you're still following up are going to be back on your radar and they're going to be more likely to be at the what we call the timeline curve of selling where they're on this trend of realizing they're never going to get that number they thought they were going to and they're going to end up in one of two buckets either they really don't need to sell mm-hmm. um, and so they're just going to wait this out good or bad for them or they do need to sell and they realize they're going to have to let it go at this point yeah. the market's it's probably going to keep going down mm-hmm. and if you're the guy they're still knocking on the door you get the deal you get the deal at the number it. you always needed it at or the new number because hey we're in a new market so here's what i can pay today yeah you want to take that now or do you want to wait another six months because i'll be here in six months mm. price will just be different yeah so marketing channels i know you you've got many that you do what what's working best what's not working so good at these moments in time yeah so the i'm i'm, I'm gonna come right out the gate with the one that everyone loves because it's so cheap and it's text messaging And I'm going to give you the flip side of that on why it's not working so great Um, from the backside of someone who provides services and provides software and can see the trend. So text messaging may still work. And I'm not saying it doesn't work when we do text messaging. However, the trend is going in the direction that that's going to become very challenging if that's your marketing channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Costs have already gone up. The ability to get leads has gone up. The deliverability of getting in someone's actual cell phone is like getting harder and harder every single day, if not impossible. Um, and the carriers are going to continue down that trend. So that one's like a, a scary one of where's it gonna go? Um, it still works. I'm not doom and gloom. I'm not saying it doesn't, just saying that if you're doing it, you you better 100% be doing everything you can to be compliant mm-hmm. with A2P 10 DLC registration and your provider better be compliant because if not, you're just opening your door for a lot of problems that are gonna not only put you out of business, but completely mess up your life. Um, So it still works, be cautious though. Um, Some of the ones that I think are bigger shifts right now are uh, number one, PPC. 
So now I say that with caution. So it is working. And I think that it's been a big shift since COVID that has become even more popular because more and more people shifted to online when COVID hit and they were shut down from being able to communicate in other ways. So online became very good. And generally, you're going to find a more motivated seller when they're looking up online how to sell my house right now. Mm -hmm. PPC can take a lot of money to create and run and manage on your own, one. And then even if you have the money, the second problem you run into that I ran into and can learn from experience the hard way is if you're not set up operationally to handle that lead immediately, mm. you're losing money because somebody else is. Um, so if you're going to go in the PPC game, make sure that you have a system and a process in place that allows you to reply within a minute or less. Wow. One, because otherwise they're already, they've already filled out three other forms and they're going with the guy that is set up to handle it within a minute or less and having the conversation and locking it up. Two, find a reputable company. There are a few out there um, that sell PPC leads. So you don't have to go figure out how to manage, run and create PPC, but you can buy leads in your market from those companies um, just look up anything that has to do with need to selling fast or selling your house and you'll find said companies right. i don't I don't have no affiliation with any of them but there are there are a few good ones mm -hmm. um and then direct mail here's the thing direct mail will always work direct mail is always going to work direct mail will never have a law well i should never say i shouldn't say never it doesn't presumably could probably never have a law against sending a piece of mail to someone's mailbox because it just never has in the history mm -hmm. of marketing. And it's always worked in the history of marketing and it likely will always work. Caveats with direct mail, pick a trusted piece. Don't try to make up your own. Mm -hmm. Mailhouses will happily tell you what's performing the best. Use one of those. Don't try to get fancy. And the more niched or stacked your list can be the narrower focused that it is, the better results you're going to get. Mm. There's no magic list, um, which everyone always wants to ask. Being a list provider, let me tell you, there's no magic list other than the one you create mm -hmm. and stacking all of the pain possible to find the narrowest list to go after. So when you're spending money, you're getting the highest possible result. And the biggest players in the country that are doing the biggest volume Direct mail, PPC are the biggest parts of their P&Ls if you were to get to look at their actual where they spend money. Those mm. are the biggest two things. And they will continue to be. Mm. And you can model that just at a lower level. It's just scale and volume. So those work. And the reason they repeat those is because they work, because they convert, they make money. Mm. So those be that's that's where I would stay and what I would do. So with the with those niche down lists where you're stacking them, will you like, would you mail them that same list every month, like 12 months straight? Or do you rest them at times? Like, what's your theory on that? Yeah, so um, I like to break it out into hitting everyone over the course of a month. Some people might be doing that different, but I like to mail every week if I'm going to do mail. Um, breaking down everybody over the course of a month, right? So if I have 10,000 people as an example to mail, I'd mail 2,500 a week mm -hmm. until I hit the whole 10,000, then I would recycle. I would recycle that for roughly 12 weeks. Um, good rule of thumb is that until you do X amount of touches, you don't even know the real result of any marketing anyway. So for me, just running even EOS model, like everything is quarterly, everything is 90 days. I don't know a real result until I have a 90 day window of a test. Mm -hmm. So too many people send mail, don't get a phone call or have an issue and then, oh, direct mail doesn't work. Okay. 
Yet there's people making multiple millions of dollars doing direct mail. You get direct mail sent to you through coupons and vendors of companies that use direct mail because it works. So if you mail once and expect that the gold mine to rush, well, yeah, you're going to fail. Direct mail didn't fail. You did. You weren't focused. You went somewhere else. You chased another squirrel, whatever it was. You didn't focus. Mm -hmm. I, I don't honestly don't care. You could choose direct mail. You could choose texting. You could choose RVMs and be cautious of your own laws. I'm not giving you legal advice. You could choose cold calling. You could choose bandit signs. You could go knock on doors. You can go drive for dollars. All of it works. Pick something and focus on it. If you're beginning and branding out, comes back to the same thing why I said, well, market, pick one channel, go all in on it, give it everything that you have, master that skill set, develop it, and it will produce the results you're after. And a good rule of thumb here, I, I love giving this one to people too. What do you like to do? Do you like to read stuff in the mail? Do you, do, are you a text person and you love to text other people when you communicate with your friends or your family? Do you love talking on the phone for long amounts of time? Whichever one that I just said is more you and your personality, pick that as your marketing channel. Mm. Why? Because you already have a subconscious belief system in texting if you're a texter, in calling if you love being on the phone, or in direct mail if you love reading things that you get in the mail. So mm. subconsciously, you already have a better energy towards that being a successful marketing channel for you, right? any other channel. Um, but go all in, go all in on at least one channel. And if you have some money and you're scaling, pick two channels and, and split it evenly and test it for 90 days before you change anything. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good word on that. You know, your 10,000, like mail them for 30 days, mail them again mail them again and then let's see and use the same piece too right like just we just gotta because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll change the piece we'll change the list a little bit from month to month and then you're you can track some results but a lot of times i'm like is this really like statistically significant results or do we just get lucky on one or two uh it becomes hard you to could, really know you could rotate uh, a modification in the piece if you wanted to test or play with something but you don't have to to your point you could use the same piece for 12 weeks and just let it repeat or you could do a postcard one month a letter the next month and a postcard the next month that is you could test sometimes in markets it is a little bit different but it's mm -hmm. not like a significant change typically speaking mm -hmm. um, or you could mail three different postcards right do do a crayon written postcard one month do a, a regular postcard the next month and do a final notice postcard the third month mm -hmm. right but again Use a reputable mailhouse and they'll tell you what are the best performing pieces. Just use mm -hmm. that one or two of those and rotate them. Yeah. Do you have uh, affiliations with any mailhouse that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I, there's a couple that I would recommend. The top two that I like are REI Print Mail. Um, and I do have an affiliation with them. I don't get paid if you go contact them, but you can contact them. Okay. Um, they, and I, I like them because they also have, um, we do some business together, but they also have uh, they also have coaches that will get on the phone with you and tell you the mail pieces and analyze your market and tell you the data behind it. Um, so they can That's even, awesome. and they can help. They actually just bought a data, a data company too. So they actually can help you get the list um, if you don't know how to get the list. Wow. And then the, um, the other one would be, uh, what's it called? Yellow Letters HQ. Okay. Yep. So they're, we'll they're those down below. company. Yeah. And I've used both and both have provided services to our software companies for our customers. So I, I like both. Both awesome. are very reputable companies. So yeah, let's talk about that. You, you have a lot of things you offer, but let's zero in maybe to start on REI control. Can you talk about what that is and how it benefits real estate investors? 
Yeah, so REI control is just the evolution of where I've come to. Um, so some of you who are watching this may already know me in some of my journey. I started building a software company after doing very successful in real estate for many years. Uh, that was called Investor PO, which was my CRM and property list manager, which is the first list stacking software that created the term list stacking in the industry. Mm. Um, later on, that evolved to rolling it into another company and brand and merging with a company called realestateinvestor.com. So some know that, some don't. Um, and then recently, this last 12 months, we've unwound that and took full control back over all of our software. Um, and, and because of it and just all the name changes, I wanted to go with a name that was the heart of where I'm going with this and what we're doing. So REI Control is just a new brand name on stuff we've had the whole time, except REI Control is moving in the direction of where Investor PO and Property List Manager originally started. I want to make the most efficient process possible for anyone getting into real estate so they don't have to lose money and they don't have to waste time. Hmm. And so I've taken both of those softwares and in REI Control, we're actually pushing them both together into one seamless end-to-end -end system that is tied in all of your processes, all of your systems, and makes it super highly efficient for you to be able to do business. And everything that I do or teach um, is behind and on top of the REI control software. So it is not only just a CRM, it's a list stacking machine, it's a marketing machine, it's everything in between. And then on top of that, I, I do coach people within our platform um, if they're on it, on how to be successful in real estate and everything that they need to be successful. Um, so that's it. I mean, it's and, and we simplify it, right? Our, our coin phrase is very simple. We developed a system that allows you to capture every lead that you have, control the conversations that you're going to have with them through follow-up and efficient processes and systems that ultimately lead to closing more profitable deals mm. with less of your time. And there's some I can't say too much, but there's there's that there's something we're working on with REI Control that we're about to launch here, hopefully in the next week. Um, depending on when you watch this, uh, it may already be out. Um, we're 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 taking the follow up game to an entirely new level. Um, oh, that's exciting with, with human interaction involved in the software. So awesome! Yeah, well, I'll be excited to see where that where that lands. And uh, I like what you said that this is the you know software. Uh, integration of of Robert Cipher in a software. Like if you like what Robert had to say over the course of this interview and you want a software that reflects those types of values, I would say definitely go check out REI Control. Uh, that's where I'm headed once we uh, get off of this call here. Um, so I really love that way you described it, that you take yourself and that's what you um, put into what this product is. So that's really, uh, really great. I've really appreciated this conversation we've had, Robert. I mean, it's so valuable. So many little sound bites that I, I mean, we've got 50 sound bites to pull from this um, from you. Where can we find you online besides reicontrol.com to learn more about you and what all you offer? Yeah, the simplest is my main website, which is just my name, Robert Seifert, S-Y-F-E-R-T.com. Awesome. Um, and if you want to connect all over social media, then I also have IamRob360.com. And that links out to every site that I have in a very simple defined page. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. We'll link all of those and um, links to the different things you offer here, but thanks for joining us today, man. And um, you know, best of luck to you and uh, we'll be talking again soon. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun.
Thanks for listening to the Level 10 podcast. You can head over to level10official.com to learn more about our courses, coaching, and everything else that we offer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Go out there and take it to the next level.